Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good evening, good evening, everybody. Come on, are you excited to be in church tonight? I just learned something just a few moments ago. When somebody tells you to shake their hand, literally grab their arm and shake their hand. That just kind of happened to me. I was like, wait, what's going on here? (laughs) And then she explained it. And it was like, oh, that's really good. We're going to have to do that now. (laughs) Listen, I'm excited to see you guys here tonight. Uh, How many of you were here? All right, let me say this. How many of you were not here last week? Good number of you. Good. Listen, if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you. Um, hi, Linda. I want to encourage you to, uh, to go online and watch last week's message. Um, I shared a lot last, uh, last week, and if you were here, I'm getting some feedback, Carson. Um, if you were here, there were some things that I shared that I don't have a lot of time to share again, um, but I was very open and very transparent. And how many of you are just glad to be a part of a church where, uh, where your pastors are allowed to be transparent? To really be real. You know, in the world and society today, we see so many facades. We see so many people trying to be something that they're really not. And uh, one of the things that my wife and I tell people all the time when they really get to know us is we are who we are. We don't know how to be anybody different. We're going to be the same. The same person you see up here is the same person you're going to see at the gym. The same person you see at the gym is the same person you're going to see uh, at uh, uh, what's our, our favorite bonsai, which is our favorite restaurant. You're going to see the same person everywhere. We just are who we are. It takes too much time and too much effort to try to be somebody else. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, if you have, if you don't have notes. Uh, and you would like to have some notes, lift your hand, the ushers are in the aisle. If you were here last week and you brought those notes back, that's great. I added another section onto the notes. So I'm actually gonna get through it this time. Um, so if you wanna have, have that additional uh, portion, lift your hands and the ushers can give you that. Also, we have our mobile app. Our uh, production director, Avi Leon, he's gonna put that up on the screen here in, in a moment. Um, uh, did an amazing job creating our own mobile app here at Tree of Life. It's a great tool that uh, we utilize. You can access it through the Apple Store as well as uh, Google Play um, if you're unsaved. If you're saved, you can get it through the Apple Store. Um, if you need a little help, um, need a little prayer, then go to Google Play and grab... It's for the Android users. <laughs> My wife and I have this feud. She's an Android user. I'm an Apple user. We you know, talk about stuff like that all the time. It drops a call. Uh-huh. It's because you got that Samsung. <laughs> but download that app. Uh, we have a section on there called Live Notes. And so every message that, that's preached here, be it Pastor Don or whoever, whatever pastor is preaching, you can go to that live notes section and you will see the notes for that particular service, the outline for that particular message, I should say, um, in that, that section. Now, for tonight, um, the, the section that from last week, you'll see that. Now, the only part that you will see on this week's, um, or yeah, this week's section is what I added additional. So you'll have to go back to uh, last week's, and I'm going to fill in some blanks there, and then we'll jump over to this week's to to complete that. All right? 
Now, the business is out of the way. Let's pray really quick. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for this time in your presence, Father. We know every time we come to your presence, we're changed. We're made new. We are, the old is gone and the brand new comes, Father. And we come to you. Uh, we don't have to put up any facades. We don't have to put up any masks. We can come to you just as we are because you know us better than we know ourselves. And Father, as we come to you with open hearts, uh, looking to receive freedom from these chains of unforgiveness, Father, we thank you that you are releasing us. And the scripture says that he whom the Son sets free is truly free indeed, no longer to be bound again by the chains of unforgiveness. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Last week, uh, we played a video um, to kick off the sermon, and I'm gonna actually do that again for those who were not here. So those of you that were here last week, you got an opportunity to cry again. (laughs) But it's a great, amazing video of uh, a true testimony of uh, forgiveness. So let's watch this video. You and I met at Stillwater Prison. I wanted to know if you were in the same mindset of what I remember from court, where I wanted to go over and hurt you, but you were not that 16-year-old. You were a grown man. I shared with you about my son. And he became human to me, you know. When I met you, it was like, okay, this guy is real. And then when it was time to go, you broke down and started shedding tears. And the initial thing to do was just try to hold you up as best I can. Just hug you like I would my own mother, you know. After you left the room, I began to say I just hugged the man that murdered my son. And I instantly knew that all that anger and the animosity, all the stuff I had in my heart for 12 years for you, I knew it was over that I had totally forgiven you. As far as receiving forgiveness from you, sometimes I still don't know how to take it because I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. It's something that I'm learning from you. I won't say that I have learned yet because it's still a process that I'm going through. I treat you as I would treat my son, and our relationship is beyond belief. We live next door to one another. Yeah, so you can see what I'm doing. You know, firsthand. Mm-hmm. We actually bump into each other all the time, leaving in and out of the house. And you know, our conversations, they come from, boy, how come you ain't called over here to check on me in a couple of days? <laughs> you ain't even asked me if I need my garbage to go out. Uh-huh. I find those things funny because it's a relationship with a mother for real. Well, my natural son is no longer here. I didn't see him graduate. You know, you're going to college. I'll have the opportunity to see you graduate. I didn't see him get married. Hopefully one day I'll be able to experience that with you. Just to hear you say those things and to be in my life in the manner in which you are is my motivation. It motivates me to make sure that I stay on the right path. You still believe in me. And the fact that you can do it despite how much pain I cause you, it's amazing. I know it's not an easy thing, you know, to be able to share our story together, even with us sitting here looking at each other right now. I know it's not an easy thing. 
So I admire that you can do this. I love you, lady. I love you too, son. Amen. What a great, great, great testimony of uh, forgiveness. I said last week, um, just in that video itself, you can see that, can you imagine the, the struggle it must have been for that mother to forgive the man that took the life of her, and I don't know if it was her only child, but let's just say of her only child. Can you imagine the pain that every time she looks at this man, she sees the face of the person that took the life of her child? That's the true testament of forgiveness. If you can forgive someone that took the life of your very own, how come you can't forgive someone that cut you off on the highway? How come you can't forgive someone that stepped on your foot? Or like I said last week, how come you can't forgive someone that hits the back of your heel with a shopping cart? If you ever felt that before, you know that's a, that's a pain like no other. You feel like you're going to see Jesus. <laughs> Forgiveness. Last week we uncovered um, some things. And if you were here last week, you probably thought a lot over these last seven days about different things, different areas in your own personal life. In fact, I had several people come up to me Sunday um, in the back leaving out and say, you know, there were some things that just uncovered that I really didn't want uncovered. There were some things that were brought to the forefront that I didn't even know it still existed. That's what the Father wants to do for us. He wants us to dig down deep and bring up those things that we've tried to hide for so long. Last week I talked about uh, the unforgiveness that I had in my life, and now it's a very long story, so uh, again, I encourage you to go back um, and listen to last week. But I talked about the unforgiveness that I had against my father, my own father, that whom I didn't meet until I was 13 years old. And I dealt with that unforgiveness, and I held these, I had these chains around my heart for 20 years. 20 years and didn't even really realize it up until several months ago when he walked down the aisle and I was getting ready to preach. And that's something to really deal with and actually have to face the fact that you've been holding on to something for so long and then have to try to let it go and do what you can to let it go. And it takes only the power of God, can I tell you, to let some of these pains go. So we're gonna talk about this unforgiveness we're going to, uh, I talked about the, how the father showed me that there was a root to it and that in order to get rid of the unforgiveness that I had in my heart, I had to get down to what the root really was and the root in my life, the thing that was feeding this unforgiveness, the thing that was continuing to nourish it and allow it to fester on all of these years was the pain that I was holding and the, the, uh, the unforgiveness that I was holding against my very own father. You know, and yesterday I posted something on Facebook that I was sitting in my office um, for, uh, preparing for the, the message tonight. 
and just, you know, talking to the father about, you know, about unforgiveness. You know, and the father said, not only do we have to forgive, but we have to stop being the person that needs to be forgiven. So let me say that again. Not only do we need to forgive others, but we have to, be, we have to stop being the person that needs to be forgiven. So what do I mean by that? And I said yesterday in my post that you can tell somebody, you can say something and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Or you can post something on Facebook and you're ranting and you're, you, you know, you're, you're angry, you're frustrated, you post it on there and people see it, they like it, they comment on it and then you, you realize, you know what, I never should have did that and you take it off. Well, it's too late, it's out there. You can do those things, but the thing that you cannot take back is how you made someone feel. No matter what you say, no matter how many times you say sorry, no matter how many times you say, I didn't really mean to say it that way, that wasn't what I was intending, you cannot take back the way that you made someone feel. And then we have to stop making people feel bad for their feelings because feelings are not right or wrong, they're just feelings. But those feelings belong to that individual. So you can't talk down on them or look down on them because they feel a certain way about a certain thing. Maybe you wouldn't feel that way. Maybe it wouldn't hurt you that way, but it hurt them. The father started talking to me about having compassion. Thinking about other people more than you think about yourself. That's 1 Corinthians 13. Thinking about others more than you think about yourself. Being selfless and not selfish. 100% of the time, a word said in anger or an action done in anger is the wrong thing. 100% of the time. An emotional decision is the wrong decision. Because you gotta filter through all of these different things, but when you really take a step back, most of the times, the person that you're really angry with is yourself. So before I get running out of time, because I'm already running out of time, let's look at the scripture. Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And in one particular trans translation, it says 70 times seven, 490 times. That would take a long time for someone to, to hurt you 490 times, and you got to forgive them all 490 of those times. Now imagine it happening in a day. It's impossible. So Jesus just put a number on it, but what Jesus was saying is there's no limit to it. There's no exception. You forgive all the time, no matter what. So I'm gonna jump down to section two on your notes, and I did this last week, and if you have notes from this week, you'll see that that's already filled in. So I'm just gonna kind of breeze through that really quick and talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not letter A, easy. Forgiveness is not easy. Every day we are faced with opportunities to yield to the spirit of unforgiveness and opportunities to walk in love. When somebody cuts you off on the road, you have an opportunity to yield to the spirit of unforgiveness or walk in the spirit of love. When you get your kids all the way to school and only to find out that they left their lunch and now you've got to drive all the way back home 
and then get to lunch all the way back to their school and go back to get dressed. Now you're gonna be late for work. Now you're upset. Now somebody cuts you off in the road and you just just really gone over the top. You have an opportunity to yield to the spirit of unforgiveness or to walk in love. Every single day, with every single opportunity, everything that happens in our life, we have that opportunity. Am I gonna yield to the spirit of unforgiveness or am I gonna walk in love? It's not easy, but the quicker you do it, number two, the easier it becomes. Letter B, forgiveness is not conditional. We just said that. Forgive without exception, without limit. Number two, God wants and expects us to forgive everyone for everything, every time. Letter C, forgiveness is not a feeling. You may not feel like forgiving. I'm still mad at you. I don't want to forgive you, but forgiveness is not a feeling. Letter D, forgiveness is not pretending that you aren't hurt. There's nothing wrong with with being hurt by an action, by a mistake, by whatever the the situation may be, the lie or the word spoken. There's nothing wrong with being hurt by it, but forgiveness is not pretending like you're not hurt. Walking around with a painted on smile while you're emotionally dying is not forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 26, 27, Paul writes and tells us that God has actually given us, not, uh, he's given us the right almost to be angry. Listen, it's okay. And I love the message paraphrase. He says, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. You hurt me, I'm gonna get you back. I want you to feel the pain that you made me feel. That's not right. Forgiveness is not, letter E, turning the other cheek. You slap me on one side, I'm not gonna turn around and let you slap the other side. That's stupid on my part, right? My right side is hurting, I'm not gonna let make my left side hurt too. It just doesn't make sense. Christianity is not about denying a wound caused by someone else. Letter F, forgiveness is not saying what the other person did is okay. It also does not mean that God condones the wrongdoing either. This often prevents people from forgiving. Letter G, forgiveness is not trusting the person. Just because uh, you forgave them doesn't mean that you have to trust them again. I didn't say that you need to forgive and trust. He just said that you need to forgive. I don't have to trust you again. I forgive you but I'm not gonna allow you in so that you can hurt me again. I'm not gonna give you that opportunity again, but I'm gonna forgive you. It's not trusting the person again because it takes a moment to destroy trust, but a lifetime to rebuild it. One momentary lapse of your judgment can cause trust, walls of trust to be torn down, destroyed. It's gonna take you a lifetime to rebuild it. Letter H, forgiveness is not relieving the person of responsibility because the truth of the matter is you're probably gonna get hurt again. You're probably gonna get hurt again. It's not a one-time event. And then the last one, which is the most important one, I feel, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. Forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. They may not deserve forgiveness. They hurt you, and they hurt you bad. They betrayed you. 
You trusted them and they hurt you. They may not deserve forgiveness, but listen, you deserve peace. You deserve not to be tormented anymore. And the, you know, because the person that hurts you, the truth of the matter is, they've moved on. And most often, they probably even forgot the fact that they hurt you. But they've gone on with their life. They're not even thinking about it anymore. They cut you and then they went on and now you're there stuck with trying to heal this wound, trying to patch up this, this, this scar that's bleeding and, and it keeps on bleeding and every time I look at it, I peel the scab off again and it's bleeding some more and it's constantly reminding me about the cut that I once got and they're already gone on with their life and you're stuck. And most often, the person that hurt you is dead and gone. And you're still holding on to this unforgiveness. They can't come back and ask you to forgive them. They can't come back and tell you that they're sorry. Let it go. Ask yourself, is it worth continuing to live in pain? Is it worth continuing to suffer? Number three. How do I walk out forgiveness in my life? These are the steps that the Father gave to me. Letter A, pray. Mark 11, 24, 25. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Right above that in verse 22, 23, around there, uh, Jesus says that you can speak to a mountain, tell it to be removed, thrown into the sea, and it will do it. It will do exactly what you say. If whatever you pray for, believe that you receive it and you will have it. And we always stop there. But the next part that Jesus says, and but when you stand praying, if you have something against someone, what does he say there? Forgive. So he ties our forgiveness into our faith, into our believing that we're gonna receive something. He ties our forgiveness into that, into our prayer. It's hard to pray for somebody that you're mad at, somebody that hurt you. It's hard to pray for them. I've tried it, to try to find good things to say about them. Father, I just pray that you bless them. I pray that you, if they're, if they're hurting, that you heal them. It's hard to do that when they've hurt you. Because you really want to say, Father, I just pray that you strike them down right now. That everything that they, every, whatever they do right now is just going to fail. Their whole life is just going to be a failure. That's what you really want to pray. Come on, let's be honest. Because I know I do sometimes. And I'm Pastor Dave. <laughs> it's hard to pray for someone that's hurt you. Praying for the person, listen to this, begins the inner healing process from all the hurt and enables you to take the heart of Christ. Number two, it's extremely difficult to harbor ill feelings towards a person and pray for him or her at the same time. They're just Prayer has this ability to cause you to just take on the heart of, heart of Christ even when you're really not trying to. Letter B, this is the second step that the Father gave to me. Take communion, which actually we're gonna do that today. And you can take communion at home. There was something my wife and I were going through uh, several years ago. A situation happened in our life before we moved here. And we were really trying to get through this thing um, that someone else had just really hurt us bad. And the Father spoke to my wife and told her, take communion for seven days. 
And as you take communion for seven days, you'll be healed, you'll be free from this unforgiveness. Because, and let's go to the scripture, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. It says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So every time you take communion, you are saying, Father, I remember that you came here to this earth to die for my sins, to forgive me. Every time you take communion, when you take that bread and you take that cup, you're saying, Father, I remember that you came to this earth to forgive me. So you're constantly reminding yourself of the forgiveness that you received. And so if you're reminding yourself of the forgiveness that you received, then the Father says, then you, you gotta remember that as I have forgiven you, you have to forgive others. Jesus even said it in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. As we forgive others, forgive us. Letter C, bless and do not curse. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Now, that word bless uh, in the Greek, and I'm not even gonna try to butcher the word, eulogio, I believe it is, uh, I think that's how it's pronounced, means to speak well of, which is where we get the word eulogy from. It means to speak well of um, in this particular scripture. And then that word curse means to speak evil of. So he's saying, Speak well of those who persecute you. Speak well and do not speak evil of. You can't walk in forgiveness and be a gossip. You can't walk in forgiveness and be a gossip, telling everybody that this person hurt me. Guess what they did to me? You can't walk in forgiveness and do that. Number one, you must stop repeating and replaying the offense. Stop allowing that thing to replay over and over in your mind. You're not gonna walk out forgiveness that way. Number two, you can't get over it if you continue to talk about it. You keep on talking about it, you're not gonna get over it. Proverbs 6, uh, 17 and nine in the voice translation says, those who forgive faults foster love, but those who repeatedly recall them ruin relationships. You keep bringing it up, you're gonna ruin some relationships. Some of you are, are on the verge of possibly ruining your marriage because you're bringing up pain from years ago or bringing up pain and, and mistakes from your previous relationship and you're gonna ruin what you have. I don't know who that was for, but it was for someone. D, you walk out forgiveness by remembering that you have been forgiven. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. Matthew 10 and eight says, freely you have received, freely give. First Corinthians 13 and five, I love this, this chapter. It's the love chapter. And if you wanna walk out forgiveness in your life, read this. If you want to learn how to walk in love, read 1 Corinthians 13. It says, it does not dishonor others. Love, it is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Now watch this one. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love lets it go. 
Love doesn't hold a grudge. Love walks in forgiveness. Remember this, the solution to forgiveness is cultivating a mindset and a heart attitude that says, I set my will to forgive anyone for anything at any time before the offense takes place. After it takes place, it's hard to say I forgive you. But if you set your mind to forgive someone before it even happens, you're setting yourself up for success. Let's look at this last section. Requirements for forgiveness. Number one, the first requirement for forgiveness is you have to open your heart to forgive. You've got to open your heart to forgive. In Matthew 18, 35, Jesus says that this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from where? From where? From your heart. He didn't say from your mind. He said from your heart. That's why in scripture he tells us to guard our hearts with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. The heart is so very important. Jesus tells us to start where the problem of unforgiveness begins. Unforgiveness begins not in your mind. Unforgiveness begins in your heart. You can't forgive from your mind or from your will because you weren't hurt in any of these places. You were hurting your heart. See, the heart is where the infection breeds, but to open it requires your mind and your will. We talked about that last week. How forgiveness is like an infect, or unforgiveness is like an infection. A wound that's gone, that has gone untreated. And if you leave it untreated, you don't do anything with it, it gets dirt and all this other stuff inside of it, and it gets infected and it starts to spread. It's just like unforgiveness in your heart. It's a wound, and when you have it untreated, it begins to get infected and spreads to the rest of your life. Not just your body but the rest of your life. There are people that are dealing with sickness right now because they have unforgiveness in their heart. There are people that are dealing with issues in their finances because they have unforgiveness in their heart. People dealing with depression, high blood pressure, stress because of unforgiveness in their heart. Number two. The second requirement for for forgiveness is to extend compassion to the one who's hurt you. Now, this one is a hard one sometimes. To give compassion to the person that hurt me? You mean I got to show them compassion? I have to show them love? After they didn't show me that they loved me by hurting me, I have to show them love, compassion? Yes. Matthew 18, 26 through 27 and 33. He says, the servant fell, therefore fell down before him. And this is the scripture, the passage that we were talking about last week, the unforgiving servant. After he brought the servant back, or actually before the servant went off, the servant fell before him. Now, this scripture, if you study it, it talks about how 
uh, this falling down that the servant was doing, it wasn't something that he just did one time. He fell down, he got back up, and he fell down again, he got back up, he fell down again, and he kept doing this, and as a result of this action, the master had uh, something happen in his heart. And you'll see that here in verse 27, it says, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. The only way to be moved with compassion is if there's an action that causes you to be moved. It didn't just say he had compassion, it says he was moved, which means that there was something that he saw that caused him to have compassion. And it was a servant falling on his face before him, asking, begging, pleading for pity for him to have compassion on him. He was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. And then he said, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity or compassion on you? Compassion is the door to forgiveness. It's the door to forgiveness. It opens the door to forgiveness. Because compassion, letter B, has the ability to soften and open a heart that was once closed. You've closed your heart off in your relationship, compassion will open it up. It'll soften that heart. When you think about the other person and you say, you know what? I really feel sorry for that person. And it's not a bad feel sorry. I feel sorry for you. It's not that kind of feel sorry. It's, you know, I really feel sorry for you. I really do. That's compassion. Let us see, you have compassion on the person Listen to this, not the wrong they committed. You're not having compassion on the wrong because the wrong is still the wrong, but I'm having compassion on the person. Now, it may be hard to do this, but when you're dealing with unforgiveness, you have to separate the person from the act. You gotta separate the person from the act because outside of the act, they're just a person. Outside of the fact that they hurt you, that they messed over you, that they betrayed you, that they uh, 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 just, just, I mean, just took your heart and torn it into pieces. Outside of that, they're a person. So to have compassion, you're having compassion on the person and not the act. Extending compassion, letter D, by no means excuses them or minimizes what they did to you. It's not, it's not excusing that, that they hurt you. It's not minimizing what they did. Think on this. God extended us compassion to a far greater debt. Should we not forgive someone who hurt us to a far lesser degree? They hurt you one time. How many sins have you committed? How many times has the Father forgiven you? How many times have you asked the Father for forgiveness? How many times have you said, I'm sorry, and then did it again? And then go back and say, Father, I know I said I wasn't gonna do that again, I'm sorry, I'm really not gonna do it again. And then you find yourself back in that same position. You know, I said it before that I wasn't gonna do it again, and here I am, I did it again but they hurt you one time and you can't forgive them? Number three, 
Release the person from your heart prison. Matthew 18, 27. Then the master of that servant was, we saw this in the last one, moved with compassion, and then it says that he released him. He was moved with compassion, and then he released him. So the first step is to be moved with compassion, to have compassion, to extend compassion to this person or people that have hurt you. And now once you have extended compassion to them, release them from your heart prison. You've been holding them locked in the prison of your heart for however long, days, weeks, months, years. In my situation with my father, I held my father in my heart's prison for 20 years. 20 years. Release the person from your heart prison. In between compassion and forgiveness, is releasing the person. We have to choose, letter B, to let go of the people that have wounded us, that have hurt us. You have to choose, it's a decision that you have to make. Choose to let them go. Choose peace. C, decide to no longer hold on to your desire to imprison them. Decide to no longer hold on to your desire to imprison them. Remember this, it's because of your compassion for the person that you are able to release them from your heart's prison. This is the first Corinthians 13 kind of love. It's unconditional. The fourth requirement. You saw that, we had, that the master of the servant was moved with compassion and then he released him. The fourth part is forgive the person of each offense. If you've got a pen and, a pay, and you've got notes, underline that word each. Each offense, wound, and mistake. Matthew 18, 27, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Letter A, once opening your heart, extending compassion and releasing them from your heart prison, you are now able to forgive them for their specific wounds, their specific hurts toward you. But you gotta have compassion first and you gotta decide to release them and then you're in a place where you can actually forgive them. And as you do this, the infection in your heart begins to drain, leave, cease to exist. Matthew 18, 35, so my heavenly father also would do to each of you from, or from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Did it say trespass? Or did it say trespasses? Meaning plural. Let us see, we must forgive each one of the trespasses because each wound is a different source of unforgiveness. I just look at the, the, the relationship between my father and I. It was more, it, there were more wounds than just one. There was a wound for him not being there. I had to forgive him that. Then there was a wound for, me, for not hearing him say, hey son, I'm proud of you. I had to forgive him that. Then there's another wound that he never told me that he loved me and I've gotta forgive him for that. 
He was not there to teach me how to shoot my first jump shot. I've got to forgive him for that. He wasn't at my high school graduation. I've got to forgive him for that. Do you see how all of these different wounds, how all of these different trespasses, and there's unforgiveness, trees that pop up from every single one of them. Every single wound. There's unforgiveness attached to it, tied to it. So once you have compassion on them, and then you release them, you got to forgive them for each one. And that means that you've got to call it out. I had to say, I forgive my father for not being there. I forgive him for not telling me that he loved me. I forgive him for not being at my graduation. I forgive him for not being there for my prom. I forgive him for not seeing my daughter born. I forgive him for not being there when my son was born. Like all of these different things, you have to call out those wounds. Whatever the wound is, you've got to call it out and say, I forgive this person for that. I forgive this person for this. Number five, last one. Bless and do good to the person. And Chris, if you're here, go ahead and come up. Matthew 5, 44 through 45. But I say to you, ushers, you can get in place to, to get ready to do communion. Love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. There's a couple things there. That you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In 44, he tells us a couple things. He says, I say to you, love your enemies Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Letter A. When you do this, this stitches the wound and covers it with healing ointment. It's like Neosporin. You know, you don't just put a Band-Aid on a, on, you know, a scratch that your kid gets. You put some Neosporin on there and then you put the Band-Aid on there. That's what this is. It's a healing ointment. B, after following the other four requirements, your heart is finally free to obey the commands of Matthew 5, Love, bless, do good, and pray. C, you'll know that you are free when you can bless or give well wishes to the person that hurt you. I'm gonna come back to that one. D, it is at this point that God begins to pour peace into your life. This is how you know that you've fully forgiven someone. I had this conversation with someone recently. I said, how do I know that I've forgiven? How do I know that I finally let it go? When you can think about it or you can think about them and you don't feel that sting anymore. There's this feeling that you get in your stomach or in your gut or wherever you want to call it, your spirit. However you want to say, wherever that feeling, you feel it. There's something that happens when that thought comes up, when that person arises, when that event comes up, where a certain song, or you drive past a neighborhood, past a certain house, or you see the person come up on your Facebook feed. There's this feeling that you get on the inside of you when you have unforgiveness. But when you don't feel that anymore, then you know you've let it go. You know you've forgiven them. 
it doesn't hurt me anymore. And I can actually talk about it. I can talk about the fact that my father wasn't there. It doesn't really hurt me anymore. There's still some, some uh, pain there. The father is still working out. But it doesn't hurt like it used to. I used to try to overcompensate. You know what? I'm going to be a better dad to my son than my dad was to me. Which in a sense, that's true. I should want to be better. But it was more of me trying to prove something because I was angry with him. Because I had this unforgiveness on the inside of me. So rather than just loving my son because he's my son, or rather than loving my son because I want to prove something to my father, I can just love my son just because he's my son. I can love my daughter because she's my daughter. Think on this. When we bless the one who has been our enemy, it's a love that should feel familiar because it's a love that Jesus has for each one of us. That's when you start to have true peace in your life. That's when you start to live that full life that the Bible speaks of, that life to the full. When it says that, when Jesus said that I came that you may have life and you may have it abundantly or to the full till it overflows, that's when you start to live that kind of life. When you can let wounds go, when you can let go of mistakes, when you can let go of things, yeah, it's been however many years you've been hurt so many times. And they said they weren't going to do it again, but they did it again. And they did it again, and they did it again to the point you got fed up. But when you can forgive them, that's when peace really comes into your life. How many want that peace? You're saying that I've dealt with this for too long. And I'm tired of dealing with this pain. I'm tired of dealing with this this issue. I'm tired of this coming back up every time. I'm sick of it. I don't want to hurt anymore. I don't want to cry anymore. I don't want to make other people suffer because of my unforgiveness anymore. Ready to let it go. With every head bowed, every eye closed. This has touched your heart. And in fact, it should be everybody in here because everybody in here has unforgiveness. But you've de- dealt with some deep, deep, deep rooted wounds, hurt, pain in your life. This is a moment right here for you between you and God. That's why I had you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And you're saying, Father, I am ready to release it to you. I don't want you to just lift up one hand. I want you to lift up both hands. Because when you lift up both hands, you're, that's a sign of surrender. That's a sign of I'm giving it to you. I'm taking my hands off and I'm letting it go. I'm giving it to you. I'm tired of hurting, holding on to this pain. I'm tired of holding on to this. I'm ready to be healed. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to be free. I'm giving it to you. Father, you see these hands. You see these hands and you see these hearts. God, I thank you that the healing process has already begun. Ah, oh, 
thank you, Father, that the healing process has already begun. I know what you've done in my life. I know how you've forgiven me. And I know the feeling that I feel now that I've been able to forgive others. The peace that I feel. The weight that is lifted. God, they're going to experience that right now. As you begin to lift those weights. As you begin to lift that pain. Relieve them of that pain. Thank you for your healing power. Jesus name with every head still bowed and every eye still closed if you're in this place and you have not accepted Jesus and you're ready to accept him you're ready to turn your life over to him you've never made him your Lord and your Savior and you're ready to give your heart your life to him come on now is the time lift your hand I see that hand you're ready to give your life over to him And you may have already given Jesus your life, but you've strayed away and you're ready to come back. You're ready to come back. You're ready to come back. We call that rededication, recommitting your life to Jesus. If that's you, lift your hand. Yes, I see those hands. I see those hands. We're going to pray a quick prayer. And I want you to repeat after me very quick. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me new. I'm yours now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give those a hand. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.